Hello, and thank you for joining me on 90 Second Narratives. I'm Sky Michael Johnston, the host and creator of the podcast. Today, Season 8 continues with another story on the theme of journeys. Our storyteller is Dr. Anna Arabindan Kesson, an assistant professor at Princeton University in the Department of African American Studies and the Department of Art and Archaeology. Here she is now with the story, Cotton, Connecting the Atlantic World. I'm looking at a square cotton canvas. It's about 10 by 10 centimeters. There's a grid of black and white tiles that look like domino counters painted on it in alternating patterns. Now the canvas was given to me by the wonderful artist and Turner Prize winner, Labena Hamid, and it's one segment of a much larger work she made in 2002 that's called cotton.com. The artwork itself consists of about a hundred similar canvases to the one I just described. They're all painted in black and white and they all have different patterns inspired by 19th century textile sample books. Installed in a gallery, the canvases would spread across the wall while below or across from them, a brass plaque reads, he said I looked like a painting by Murillo as I carried water for the Hogang just because I balanced the bucket on my head. This quote is written from the perspective of an enslaved woman as she's going out to offer water to the enslaved cotton pickers in the fields. It was inspired by a quote that uh, Hamid found while reading Frederick Olmsted's account of his travels to the US South in the 1850s, just before the beginning of the US Civil War. So the artworks drawing very specifically on two aspects of the transatlantic cotton trade, the mobility of cotton, but also the ways the trade connected different people and places within a global capitalist network, particularly enslaved people in the United States and cotton factory operatives in Lancashire, England, a region that was known as Cottonopolis in the 19th century. The artwork for grounds its close connection to these histories through the form it takes, but it also uses cotton as an archive. Each canvas stands in for the transatlantic journey of cotton between plantation and factory, and Hamid imagines these to be like a form of communication, hence the title with its allusions to digital communicate. Lubena describes how she speculated that pieces of hair or skin or blood may have clung to this cotton, physically bringing the, the lives of enslaved people and factory operatives into contact. The black and white paint on each canvas stands in for these moments of physical interaction and she's also referencing the actual passage of letters that were sent from abolitionist factory operatives in the UK to Abraham Lincoln in support of the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, what I found in researching this work was that abolitionists, and particularly African-American abolitionists, also use cotton to make these connections, to emphasize how transatlantic slavery underpinned the social and economic structures of British and North American society, and to call for its abolition. I began to see how cotton was not only a central commodity in the 19th century Atlantic world, it also had important 
ideological significance as a material whose use and representation could frame meanings about the value of people and their labor. So Lebena's work is really central to my book, Black Bodies, White Gold, Art, Cotton and Commerce in the Atlantic World, in which I use cotton, its trade and its centrality to slavery and colonialism to consider how art, commerce and colonialism were intertwined in the 19th century. I trace Cotton's movement between the United States, the United Kingdom and later West Africa to consider its relationship to constructions of race and geography, to forms of value and to meanings of vision and visuality. In a similar way that Cotton.com does, I also try to pay close attention to the forms of cotton that moved between places and how cotton materially influenced meanings and values about blackness and black people as resources. Because as Frederick Douglass liked to remind his 19th century audiences, when the price of cotton rose, so too did the value of an enslaved person. Returning to cotton.com then, if you remember, I mentioned how Lubaina includes a quote about a young woman who is imagined only through her labor. And Lubaina does this to address the commodification of black life in slavery. In my book too, I explore this relationship of commodification to suggest how it became part of the way black people are visualized in the 19th century and still today. While the book is based in the 19th century through case studies, it also uses the work of contemporary artists like Lubaina Hamid and Hank Willis Thomas to focus on how black communities and artists and intellectuals are actively dismantling these white supremacist frameworks and creating other ways of seeing and valuing each other that can redesign how we interact today. As you heard, Dr. Arabindan Kesson is the author of Black Bodies, White Gold, Art, Cotton, and Commerce in the Atlantic World, which was just published this year by Duke University Press. It is available in paperback. Please see the link in the episode description for more information about the book. We've already had three other remarkable stories about journeys this season. Please listen to those if you haven't yet, and come back every Monday for another little story with big historical significance.